HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio. Today we're going to talk about my new favorite topic, and that is intergenerational truths, the logistics of engaging in the project of land transfer. Here in America, we have a paradigm of private property ownership, which is very good in many ways, but it's complicated when it comes to sharing the land and moving land between parties, many of whom have different needs. Uh, so often young farmers coming in, they don't have that much money to buy the land, and those who are needing to retire often need the land value in order to fund their retirement. So this would seem on its face to be an impossibility, which we cannot straddle. Um, but in fact, all over this country, people are working on the project of straddling it and accommodating each other in ways that make it's possible for that land to keep being stewarded in a loving, loving way. Um, today, we're going to talk with Jim Joyner and um, listen to his story and his needs and expression of his side of that project. Jim, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Seven. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So what, is that, what have you seen from all these relationships with the farmers that you're buying from and with the buyers that you're selling to? What's your kind of observation about the change in the character of the demographics there and what that might bode for the future of that, of that landscape and of that farm economy? Okay, let, 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 me, let me just tell you a little story. And, and because we're, I mean, we're, very passionate about farming, but we're just as passionate about community. What what happened with us, um, you know, my wife and I are both in our early 70s. I guess we're fortunate we're, we're healthy and we still, for the most part, have our marbles. And um, But over the years, my wife had, had made the comment, you know, I couldn't run the farm if you weren't here. Well, in fact, I couldn't run the farm if she weren't here. 
but she said this a number of times, and I really had no, I didn't know what to do about it. And finally, I said, where would you go? What, what is it that you would do? Um, I mean, would you want to go live with your kids in a, in a strange neighborhood? Would you, would you, I don't think so. Would you, would you rather go to one of those assisted living boneyards? What is it, where is it, where is it on this whole planet? There's as many people who care about you as the people right here. Well, we had some long conversations after that, and, and, and the end of it was we decided, no, we're going to stay. We're going to stay no matter what. But we had to find a way to do it, because we know that at some point in time, we're not going to be able to take care of the farm. And, and we're not going to be, you know, we, we still run the business today, but we're in the process of sort of giving that buying club away, uh, basically to help other farmers. And, um, and, and, and so we realized that what, what we needed to do, basically to help the community, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't have a community of just older people. And you can't, because it, it's not a real community. A real community, uh, the same is true of, of younger people. If they're just young people, it's not yet a community. We're fortunate that we do live in a community, but, but it's, it's what we realized is what we needed to do was to help those young people make meaningful lives for themselves, and that's the way we can stay here. I, I, it's just a guess, and my suspect is that the, a lot of the reason that older farmers leave their farms is because there's already a disconnect, because they're not a part of the community any, anymore. Maybe, maybe the people around them have died off or whatever, but there really isn't a reason to stay on the farm. I don't want to leave my farm ever. And, and, and that's sort of the, the, the passion. So, so we, we want to bring more young people here, and, but we also want them to be a part of a community. We have a few other young farmers here. I've talked to them, and, and, and they can see that there are... You know, there are synergies and there are uh, economies of scale and that sort of thing, just living in a community um, with, with people, other people who are farming. If you look at the state of Tennessee, I don't, I don't know how many hundreds of little towns we have, but once upon a time, all those towns were communities. The reason they were communities is because they, they, they had to be. They had to be to survive because they worked with each other. They helped each other get their crops out. They helped each other put their crops in. And, and that's the kind of community that I live in, but we don't do yet a whole lot of agriculture here. And we, we are very rural. We're probably, you know, we're like 15 to 18 miles to the, to the nearest town, and we're probably 35 miles to the nearest population center. We're 75 miles from Nashville. Um, I, I said a lot. Did, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, you did. And I feel like I think a big part of this for me is exploring. You know, what are the what are the needs that you have? What are what is the perspective and and knowledge of the of the situation that you have that can help as young farmers are are looking for land and looking at stewardship and trying to make contact with retiring farmers and retiring landowners to really understand the the needs on your side and the concerns and the hope so that we can figure out the right approach and the right truth to come to that really makes sense. One one conversation I've been having a lot has been about 
the need for a retiring couple or retiring farmer to have a reliable, a reliable income in, as they're getting older and how that income, you know, could essentially be um, similar to an annuity or, you know, kind of like a retirement payment. And so that one kind of option that seems to work in some cases, I know, is that the entering farmer is paying in yearly towards the purchase of the farm and kind of like slowly buying the farm as opposed to trying to buy it all at once and and going through a bank. Um, But that's just the financial side. I think what I'd love to explore with you a little more is more on the cultural side and the management side and, you know, the love of place side how you kind of envision your own land moving forward and, and what that might, how that would feel best. Okay. Um, first of all, we're, we're sort of blessed and, and we're very fortunate in that we don't really require uh, an ongoing income to, to, to go to retirement. That's, that's not really the problem. It, it is physically a problem in just maintaining the farm. Uh, I have a younger daughter, for example, who she talked about at one time moving back and living on the farm, but she would never do what we do, and she couldn't maintain the farm. And so what we decided was something that's, um, I, I guess it's a little different. I, I haven't seen anybody else doing this. We, uh, what we want to do is we want to take the resources that we have on our farm, uh, including the buying club, and we want to put those resources behind a young farmer or young farmers in order for them to begin a farming business. So at some point that they can save enough that, you know, that, 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 that have enough business, enough goodwill that they could go ahead and start their own business or buy their own farm, that sort of thing, or we could help them buy their own farm. Um, and, 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 you know, we're, again, we're, we're pretty fortunate because we're willing to even put more investment into the farm, uh, probably not huge, but, but at least some investment in terms of infrastructure. We, we might put up a couple of greenhouses. I don't really know what it would be. But to that end, what we did was we started, and, and this is something we're going to post, and not I think on the on the Agrarian Trust site, we're going to post a what we call our strategic plan, where we've outlined our values and we've outlined our vision and our mission. But it's, but the but the plan itself is not complete because we're looking for collaborators, you know, not just an intern, um, not just an apprentice, but 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 someone who will work with us to to make the farm productive for them. They don't have to pay us anything. We don't we don't need income from them. That's that's not the problem. We just we do need the the farm maintained, and that's that's that, that for us that's what we need. The other thing that we want is we want the land to get better. We want to enrich the land so that other generations will come along and they'll be able to do the same thing. Our farm is actually in a trust. Um, this wasn't the reason we formed the trust, but, but, but it'll still serve the purpose so, so that it, it is a kind of organization that can go on beyond us and, and continue to work with other farmers and, 
or, or, or yeah, other young farmers, and possibly even other uh, farmers in our in our neighborhood. Uh, because as we've had this discussion with a number of the people in the community, uh, sometimes they scratch their head and they, they realize that they really haven't thought this through yet, that they have a farm or they have land and, and they haven't thought about what it is they're going to do. And, and so we may be able to get other people to cooperate with us to help farmers, uh, these young farmers, so, so they can work on our farm possibly, they can end up with their own farm. Maybe we can help facilitate them making a deal with someone else. But we, we're really trying to create an organization that's ongoing that will help young farmers. Did I answer your question? Wow. Well, so what strikes me about that is how much it's like what families do for each other and how, you know, the kids who are selling their beef cows that they raised on their uncle's back lot or that they raised in the back part of the barn, and then they raise those animals and then they do it with FFA or whatever, and then they're gonna, they sell it at the auction. And people bid up those animals way past the real value of those animals. Um, and so the kids are able to, you know, have a little leg up and kind of a, a, a little kind of you know, almost like a game at first, you know, not really a real business, and then they get an immediate reward from the community of support and a show of support for what they're doing. And essentially it's showing them that the value and the respect that, that the community has for the next generation and their willingness to, you know, kind of back them up and let them, let them, let them build off of what has been built and continue to diversify uh, the operation and continue to, you know, carry on the legacy of stewardship. And I, um, and that's so different from the characteristics of the farms that I see people starting from scratch, where there's a broken down shed, there's been commodity, you know, corn production for many years, there's, you know, gullies and eroded riparian areas and terrible quality roads and just a lot of deferred maintenance and, you know, a buried gas tank. <laughs> it's like, Yes. Kind of a yes. kind of a shit show, really. Um, but that's kind of the most affordable situation for these um, young enterprises. Well, I thought you were going to talk, so I was letting you. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just agreeing with you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, well, and I guess you know, with the co-op and with the cooperative, it's a it's an interesting model to look at in terms of. It's, it's history. So the cooperative, I'm going to tell my audience, not you, because I'm sure you know, the cooperative was, was formed, was founded, the idea or the institution arose um, in the context of the Industrial Revolution when factory workers in industrial England wanted to buy some nice tea and they wanted to get high-quality flour and biscuits, um, and they had very low wages. Uh, but they couldn't get nice uh, products in the in the town, so they put their money together and they banded together and they, um, you know, were providing themselves food. And then we, of course, have the CSA model, which is, you know, the farmer the farmer gets the money up ahead in the front of the season. The, the CSA members get a, a weekly basket reliably for a good price. 
and essentially the needs of both parties are met in a way that's peaceful to the other party. And so I kind of feel like what you're explaining and what you're desiring and what you're articulating is, you know, high-minded in the same way, um, which is recognizing your own needs really clearly and recognizing the needs of the newcomer and trying to make a peaceful arrangement that, that benefits the place you're in. And, again, I just wish there was more people like you in the world. <laughs> well, um, you, you know, there's a, there's a funny thing. I was talking to a young man not long ago, and at some place in the conversation he stopped and he said, you know, you're really very generous. But, you know, it was strange because it just stopped me in my track because I have no sense that I'm being generous at all. Uh, maybe somebody else can say that, but, but that's not the feeling. What I have a feeling is is that I live in a community where everybody around me has this sense of well-being. And, and that's what, you know, there's no better pay than that. And, 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 and I'm guessing, not, well, I'm not guessing. I know, that, I know that young people, as well as older people, want that very same thing. Once they've tasted it, at any rate, I'm not sure there are a lot of real communities around. But but I, that's why I think I, I, you know my wife and I are both passionate about the you know the, the community itself, our involvement in the community, um, and and what the community does for us. Just being there. Um, so and but 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 it is. You know, it's not a matter of whether we're getting something or they're getting something. We're all getting something. And, and I, I think maybe that that's sort of what you're saying. Um, I, 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 think, I think as human beings, that's what we're made for. Well, I want to remind our listeners that um, we're at Agrarian Trust. We've been collecting stories, um, stories about land access, how people manage to figure out these kinds of logistics, the financial logistics and the getting along part and how to have, you know, the housing organized. Um, and we're collecting more stories. Um, we have about 150 now on the spreadsheet waiting to get written down. Um, we also have listings like Jim's listing. Um, I'm not sure if Jim's is up yet, but it will be hopefully soon um, under land and opportunities. Yes. Um, because I think that maybe as we're as we're moving into this next phase, and you know, the world does tend to seem well. I don't know. The world seems to be getting crazier by the minute. Maybe it's just because I'm in New York City, but um, that there that I I feel like part of what happens from that also is a certain opening and a level of a level of awareness about the future of a place. I feel like you're expressing something about the place and, you know, the kind of best hope that we have, you know, for peace and prosperity and and an ecology that is sustained has to do with the, the people in the place caring enough about the place to see that it survives and that no amount of charity or philanthropy or, um, you know, sick, you know, Band-Aids can ensure that more than a, a living and vibrant community of people. Something like that. Yes. I, oh, I would agree completely. We, um, 
I'll read from you the first sentence that we wrote about our values. And we value our community, we value, particularly the community in which we live. We value the web of friendly, peaceful, prosperous, productive, loving, and cooperative relationship that is community. And while we appreciate, well, we appreciate organization, but we don't think that that's the same as community. Um, and we value this, the, the well-being that comes from from being in a real community. And we, we, you know, it's our opinion, but we, we see that there's a mix of, of, of vital sort of virtues of, of having all ages, you know, we, the, 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 the energy, the enthusiasm, the physical strength of the younger and the, well, I said that already. Um, but these are the building blocks, I think, that are the sustaining characteristics of a real community. And, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, we expect to have a lot of fun out of this, too. Well, Jim, I really appreciate this this time with you, and I look forward to more time. I don't know if you're going to go to the Slow Money Conference in Kentucky. That's not very that's not very close to Tennessee, but I'm going to try. I want to come and meet you in person. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I really want to thank you for for sharing some of these insights. Um, I guess one question I have is. You know what? Are, what would be your fears, or what would be some of the 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 hesitations you have that you know that need to be addressed and that you know need to be cared for as you're as you're thinking this through? Uh, do you mean the hesitations of the people who might come, or or the things that uh, on your side, like kind of the hesitations on your side, or? You know, it's a little bit scary to be opening yourself up like this. Maybe not. <laughs> well, we, I, I, you know, we've never done this before, so I, I think we, we don't know. Um, we, we certainly had a good experience before. I, I, you know, I would say the, the one thing that we look to, the one value that we hold uh, pretty high, and that is the value that we find in the joy of hard work. And And I can tell you that Farming is hard work. It, in, in a way, it, you know, it's it's very gratifying work, but it is hard work. And 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 I think that that's you know that that may be the, the the sort of cutting place where if people really want to work hard to make their lives meaningful, I think we can help them. That's what we're going to do. Well, we just um, had a really wonderful meeting here in New York City. It's called the Techno-Utopia Teach-In. It was organized by the International Forum on Globalization. And there was a lot there, a lot in the teaching about how the speculation and financialization of land um, undermines the value of the land over the long run, inevitably, and leads to mining and leads to degradation and and the undervaluation of labor, human labor and, and, and human work, um, undermines the health of the humans, um, both the humans who are working and the humans who eat what is produced from the land. And so it's almost like the macroeconomy is saying land is very valuable and money is very valuable, and those are both really powerful, whereas human labor isn't very valuable and stewardship isn't very valuable, 
Um, and so those of you who are just bringing stewardship and work into the equation are not valuable. And I think, you know, if we're, look, if we're taking as our mandate the care of the land, that we have to kind of reorient our priorities. And, as you, you know, you're putting as your primary value this question of, of, of human work um, and really valuing human work, uh, you know, which is a different thing from, you know, let's get a young farmer on here who's going to work really hard. You're saying, I really value people who work really hard. Um, which which feels like the right balance. All right, seven. We have to we have to wrap up. We have a five p.m. Okay, so I guess I'm going to make a couple announcements, and then we're going to get off the air. So next weekend, the 14th of November, there's a Schumacher lecture in New York City. It's Caroline Woolard and Matt Stinchcomb talking about the new economy and committing to place. Um, many, many events are coming up in the Greenhorns world. I really encourage you to check out our events page and the Grange Future website, the Agrarian Trust website for more on land access. And I thank you so much, Jim, for joining us. Well, it's all my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>